What's going on, folks? It's your boy, the Dreadlock Boy, here back with another podcast video. Thanks for joining me on this nice and lovely midday. It's like, what, 1.30 right now? Oh, exactly 1.30. That's interesting. That's cool. Hit it right on the nose. Um, before I get into this uh, uh, video, please be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you're watching me on YouTube, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell right next to the subscribe button so you know whenever I drop a live stream or just a random video. I'm going to try to be a little bit more consistent now. I'm going to try to at least drop one video a week if by chance. If you follow me on YouTube, then you should know. Then you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Discord, all the social media platforms that are existing out there that are prevalent, I should say. You can follow me on that. If you're listening to me on the podcast, again, be sure to like this podcast and continue to follow me. I am on Anchor. I am on um Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I'm on different, a couple of podcast platforms, but definitely feel free to follow me on Anchor if that's your safe. But it's free. Anchor is free, so you don't have to worry about paying for anything. So you can definitely, I mean, I don't know how many people you'll find on here, but, but you can definitely um, get your podcast fixed. Um, I'm slowly working my way to SoundCloud, so please be on the lookout for that. But I am also on Spotify. So if you want to find me on Spotify, you can. I'm on Spotify as well. Um, I know I had said that I was essentially going to be doing a podcast every other week, but I'm going to be looking to do a podcast every every week. I'm trying to at least drop one episode every week in, co- in concordant with uh, my YouTube channel. So that's how I'm going to be trying to work from now on. Okay. Again, just trying to be a little bit more consistent with my content creation. So just keep rolling with me if you've been rolling with me. And if you're just not rolling with me, keep rolling with me. That's all I got to say. Um, I am currently in talks with another YouTuber. We are trying to coordinate our schedules um, so we can, because I want to have her on the show. We're going to be doing a little interview, um, but um, I'll get into that a little bit later. Look out for announcements on that, but we are slowly working on that. And I'm also working on a couple of collaborations with some other people strictly on uh, YouTube. I'll probably bring hair to the podcast. But um, again, be on the lookout for announcements for those as well. So things are kind of getting back up to normal. So again, just hang in there with me, folks. Just hang in there with me. All that being said, let's just get right into it. And as you can suggest by the title of this, I'm going to be doing a series of reviews on movies. Not even just movies, but movies and other things that I've been managed to, that I was able to catch since the beginning of the pandemic. Once the pandemic hit and we were forced into quarantine, a lot of us didn't have any other choice but to stay home. Some of us who have our hands on a number of streaming services, whether it be Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever, you were able to catch up on a lot of things and a lot of things were able to drop sooner than they would have been if theater movie theaters were open. So I was able to catch a lot of things throughout the course of the pandemic. I originally had planned to review everything that I watched as soon as I watched it, but things kind of got hectic. I kind of got busy with film production stuff. I got busy with my own project. So I kind of took a back seat to a lot of my content, my video content for YouTube and stuff. I said, this will probably be the next best thing for me to do would be to just do a series of of reviews on things. Some of the things I did watch, I actually did reviews on, so you can find that here on my YouTube channel. Some of the other things I didn't. 
Uh, some of the things, some of these things that I'm reviewing are things that I haven't watched before. Some of these things were things I, that I was dying to watch, and I just so happened to catch it because I was able to utilize these streaming services to the fullest of their ability. And certain things just drop, and I just bought outright. So, um, also mixed in here will be a couple of um questions that were, you know, sent to me from viewers and listeners and stuff about certain things as far as like films and franchises and stuff. So, all that being said, we're going to jump into this pandemic content super review. All right, that's what we're going to jump into. Um, the first one is actually someone that was, it was a question that was asked by a friend of mine on Facebook. He asked me, which did I think was better, the movie Sidekicks or the movie Only the Strong? Now, both of these are very old 90s movies. Um... Sidekicks is a movie that stars Chuck Norris and Jonathan Brandis. Um, basically, Jonathan Brandis plays a character by the name of um, Barry, who is a who idolizes Chuck Norris. He idolizes Chuck Norris to like the utmost. You know, he daydreams about you know work, being with him in some of his movies, being like his sidekick, of course, being his partner and things like that. He eventually, you know, meets someone who. So it, it's almost Sidekicks was almost like a kind of new age karate kid but not really following the karate kid tropes you know barry was unlike daniel Russo, who was just like a kid from out of town who moved to a new city and just got mixed up with the wrong in an altercation with the wrong group you know cobra kai barry of course he's just a kid that has very vivid fantasies he has a crush on a girl in his class um everybody else makes fun of him he has asthma you know technically he wasn't supposed to make um his his dad he 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 lives with his single father you know things like that it wasn't for the grace of a guidance counselor whose father happened to be a martial arts instructor they those two ended up connecting and he actually started learning how to train in the martial arts of course uh everything culminates in a tournament much like well, Karate Kid, where, you know, he's going up against a school, um, Stone Dojo, um, Kelly Stone, who's the instructor, is played by Joe Piscopo. Remember that guy? He um, he originally goes to him for training, but then he realizes it's not his training is not what it's cracked up to be. So, again, the showdown ends with a tournament where Barry ends up entering the tournament, and there he actually meets Chuck Norris. Um, his guidance counselor actually happens to run into him. He happens to be there at the tournament, which Chuck Norris tends to do. He does. He actually tends to frequent a lot of tournaments. So he was there. He met up with him, and Barry ended up competing with his idol. He ended up competing with his idol. Uh, the, the movie ends with Barry talking with Chuck Norris one last time, and when he goes to meet with his, I guess his father and his friends, Chuck Norris disappears. So it's almost so it's very ambiguous as to whether or not Chuck Norris being there was actually a fantasy or if it was actually something that really happened. We don't really know. At the time, I thought it was a pretty solid movie. This is probably one of the one of the really only Chuck Norris movies that I really enjoyed. And I was a big fan of Jonathan Brandis, and it was sad when I found out that he passed away. But um, that was one of my favorite movies. Only the Strong stars my all-time favorite, Mark DeCascos who was a well-rounded martial arts um, practitioner and actor. 
the movie's about him. I forget the, his character's name, but he returns back to his home in L.A., if I, I believe it's L.A., after being in the Army and spending time in Brazil, where he learned capoeira. He returns back to where, much like any other street-related movie, the kids are bad, the schools are failing, principal doesn't know what to do, they get ready to get shut down. He comes back and decides to implement, implement a capoeira program. He takes some of the baddest kids, one of the baddest classes in the school, and he begins to get them to open up, start bonding with them. They start practicing. One of the kids is actually the nephew of a drug lord who happens to know Capoeira also. And he eventually becomes, you know, they actually all become friends and like a close-knit family. One of the students who was actually really good ends up dying trying to save people in the school fire. You know, it's a... that part was kind of sad. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of sad. Uh, the movie ends with a final battle between uh, Marta Costco's character and uh, the student's cousin in a capoeira battle, which is really awesome. Really, really awesome. This is, this might actually have been my first intro, real introduction to Marta Costco's. Um, only the Strong was all, my real introduction to him. Now, sidekicks compared to Only the Strong. As far as action is concerned, I really enjoy Only the Strong. Like it, it was your typical. Only the Strong was your like your typical high school troubled school movie. Sidekicks again really reminded me of the Karate Kid to a degree. Um, which do I think is better? I really feel like Only the Strong is better. I do kind of like the story with Sidekicks. I mean, Sidekicks was Sidekicks was an interesting movie. It was interesting. But Only the Strong, to me, is probably one of my favorite ones. I, I really enjoy Only the Strong. So if I had to pay, Only the Strong is my, is my favorite one, only because I really love Mark Picasso's. That's really where it comes from. He asked me, my friend also asked me another question. He asked me, is Howard the Duck trash? Now, you have to remember, the, the, the Howard the Duck movie that came out years ago was a one-shot that they just happened to decide to make a movie about. The character of Howard the Duck himself has actually been pretty good, considering the fact he's been written, rewritten, rewritten, rewritten over the years. So is Howard the Duck trash? The movie? Probably. It's funny because, you know, a few weeks ago, I watched maybe, I think it might have been a pitch meeting video here on YouTube. It was a pitch meeting video, and the subject was Howard the Duck. And it just made me realize that as kids, we really just watched anything. We really watched a lot of movies that are deemed crap, but we were kids then. We didn't know any better. So to us, it was just entertaining. I remember being really entertained by Howard the Duck as a kid. I had no idea Howard the Duck was a comic book character at the time. I mean, I didn't really read comic books back then, so I didn't know. I thought it was just a movie they just made out of nowhere. But to say Howard the Duck is trash, I can't, I can't really say that. Especially considering the fact that he does make appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, he appeared in, I believe, he appeared at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe he was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He even showed up in Avengers Endgame in the final battle. So, to say Howard the Duck is trash is really unfair. You could say that the original movie is trash. But the character itself, a lot of people are big fans of Howard the Duck. So, I can't really say that he's trash. I can't really say that at all. So, you know, there's that. 
Now we're going to talk about the RoboCop franchise. I'm going to be covering every movie that was in the franchise, the TV show, and the cartoon. Now, the original RoboCop movies, with the exception of three, RoboCop 1 and RoboCop 2 were great. RoboCop 1 is clearly the best. RoboCop 1 will always be the best. It was grotesque. It was ultra-violent. It was smart for its time. You know, you got the character of Alex Murphy, who prides himself on being sort of a super cop. Going out, I think he's just transferred to, I forget, I forget where. It's been a while since I watched him, but he's transferred to a new precinct. He gets a new partner in Ann Lewis. And his first outing, he gets murdered. He gets brutally murdered. He gets shot the F up. Loses a hand. He's gunned down, like, violently. I mean, it's a joke at this point. People have made memes about Alex Murphy's death. But nonetheless, it is ultra-violent. His death is ultra-violent. And then, of course, OCP. They use him as their first test subject for the RoboCop program. And essentially, his, his head, his brain, and everything that's important is pretty much outfitted with a exoskeletal armor, body armor. He has a retractable side arm that comes out of his leg. He has a visor that tells him about any kind that's going on. It, it, is, it, it is dope. RoboCop is one of those movies that just stands the test of time. Like, you have to really not like it to not like it. RoboCop was just one of those movies that really stood out. You know, the fact that he had to take down OCP, which was his job, you know, one of the heads of OCP. The ending, which is probably the craziest thing ever, he comes in, he says that one of the executives is wanted for murder. He shows the evidence, and once that dude is fired, RoboCop shoots him out the window, and then you see... <laughs> A claymation, a claymation version of that character falling out the window. Uh, when I was younger, I never noticed it, but as I got older and I watched it, I was like, that is totally not a real person. That is totally fake. So, yeah. That move, the first movie is good. Robocop 2 was actually pretty decent, having to deal with, um, I believe the character's name was Kane, who was like a drug dealer. Now he was dealing with crime, with dealing with a drug dealer. And I don't remember too, too much about that. I do remember that the cat, the, the villain was essentially put into a machine's body also in RoboCop. I had to fight him off, too. RoboCop 3 is where it really went off the hinges. Now they're dealing with a Japanese tech company. This is where we're first introduced to Bruce Locke. Bruce Locke, he went on to play Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV series. I don't know if you guys remember that. He went on to play him, but he played a pretty much a ninja version of RoboCop. He played, like, he basically played a cyber ninja. He played a cyber ninja. Like this was before Mortal Kombat Three came up with the idea of a cyber cyber assassin. This guy was a cyber ninja. He was basically like a ninja terminator, almost. But he worked for the rival company. Um, Peter Weller, who played RoboCop in the first two movies, didn't come back to play this one. And good thinking on his part because that movie was bad. Um, his partner, I mean, Ann Lewis, I believe, died. In RoboCop 3. I think this is where she died. She didn't die in 2. I believe this is where she died. She died in 3. Which I thought was crazy. Um, he was given a jetpack. He was given like a new like arm cannon gun thingy. Whatever. It was interesting. It was very interesting. This is where they went into full camp mode. With RoboCop 3. They went into full camp mode with that. So 
That one isn't well received by a lot of people. There was a live action series on the Sci-Fi Channel. There was a live action series. Um, I didn't watch it too much, but I understand it was pretty wild. Um, I believe Roddy Piper made guest star appearances as some type of superhero. I forgot what the superhero's name was, but he would make guest appearances on that show. And again, they had an animated series. Remember, this was the time where if a movie did very well, they were going to maximize the shit out of this movie. So you were talking a live action show, an animated series, toys, merchandising, all that stuff. um, RoboCop was one of those franchises. So... The fr- again, I didn't really watch the um the live action series too much. I've seen a couple episodes. The animated series I watched for a little bit until I got bored with it. But the RoboCop franchise is definitely one of the best ones that have lasted pretty long. At least the first two movies. The remake starring Joel Kinnaman, I I saw what they were trying to do, but it just didn't have the same effect. Like the fact that he was essentially injured in a car bomb accident in a car bombing that. Like that doesn't have the same effect when as to when you're watching a dude get basically turned into Swiss cheese, like on camera, like like really like straight up Swiss cheese. He's like shot all the way to hell. Like the loss, the losing of his hand was what did it. And that's I think it's interesting because the remake actually kept his hand, the hand that got shot off in the original movie. They actually kept his actual human hand. They kept that. Um, like I said, I saw what they were trying to do with that movie, but it just didn't work out so well. I believe they're making another sequel. I think it's called RoboCop Returns. It's supposed to be like a direct sequel to two, one or two. Correct me if I'm wrong, folks. Um, I haven't really, I haven't really heard much about it lately, but I believe they're making like a sequel that's a direct sequel to the original movie. And I believe Peter Weller's supposed to be coming back. I mean, given the fact that. You know, RoboCop does show up in Mortal Kombat 11. Mortal Kombat, um, RoboCop is one of the um, guest characters for Mortal Kombat 11, and he is voiced by Peter Weller. So, any of you guys who know, Mortal Kombat usually does these things when certain characters are said to have a resurgence in the movies. Um, you gotta figure, you know, Freddy Cougar showed up in Mortal Kombat 9. I believe that was around the time when the remake was coming out, the um, Nightmare on Elm Street remake was coming out. We had Predator and Alien in Mortal Kombat X, plus Leatherface and Jason. All those guys had either had a, a reboot that came out or a reboot that was coming out. You know, in Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 11, the Terminator. We just had Terminator Dark Fate, which I still haven't watched yet. The Joker, you know, they just, I think they just threw the Joker in there just for the laws of it. They just threw the Joker just to have the Joker in there. But, you know, we have, you know, the Terminator and RoboCop. So, you know, that's how that works. So, all in all, the RoboCop franchise, at least the first two movies, have been able to hold up for a while. But, you know, it is what it is. I I enjoy it still. I still enjoy it. So, that's that. Um, One of my other friends asked me about my favorite fan fictions, and he wanted me to do a review on fan fictions. That's probably going to have to be like a separate video. That's gonna be like an ah, that's gonna be like a separate show at some point. So be on the lookout for that. Um, depending on when I do this interview, um, this may be the next show. I may talk about my favorite fan fictions and just and do reviews. So that'll probably be the next show, fan fictions. Next up, we have Johnny Mnemonic. 
Johnny Mnemonic was the Matrix before the Matrix. Of course, star Keanu Reeves. He plays like he can play as a information courier who is actually connected to technology. Mostly, everybody in this world is connected to technology. Um, he finds out that he's being used for something else, and then he goes on a mission to stop him. It's not that different from the Matrix. Like I said, the Johnny Mnemonic was the Matrix before the Matrix. This movie is a bit dated, but it still holds up. I think it still holds up, and um, I actually quite enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, Ice-T was in there. This is when Ice-T still had dreads. Um, Dolph Lundgren was in there. He played um, he played a character by the name of Street Preacher. It, it, was, it, was, a very, it was a very interesting, very interesting movie. Um, if you haven't watched it, definitely give it a, sh- give it a check out. Give it a look out. Next, we have the Darkman trilogy. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've only seen the first Darkman and the third Darkman. I didn't watch the second one. I've seen bits and pieces of Darkman 2. But needless to say, Darkman is probably one of my favorite, is one of the most underrated superhero movie trilogies that are out there. For those of you that don't know, Darkman centers around the character of Dr. Peyton Westlake. Dr. Peyton Westlake was on the verge of discovering or perfecting his liquid skin formula. Uh, he created this thing in hopes to help burn or accident victims be able to, you know, walk out in the real world. Um, people who burn victims, you know, depending on how degree burns you have, you know, you can't, you know, some people are a little bit self-conscious on being out there like that. His liquid skin formula was going to allow people to really, you know, just have normal lives, even after going through an accident like that. The only problem he was facing was that the, the liquid skin formula would, would break down after 99 minutes. So he was trying to get it to go 99, 99 minutes plus to see if it can last that long. You know, unfortunately, um, his tech, his formula gets wrapped up in some crime and stuff like that, and he ends up getting burnt. He gets fried, fried. Like his lab, they sabotage his lab. He he gets exploded, and he flies out the window. Unf- unfortunately for them, he still lived. They found his body in the water. They took him out. They kept him in the hospital. Apparently, the mixture of chemicals and stuff that he was using in his lab, you know, was able to seep inside his system, and whenever he was in it whenever he's in a state of great stress or rage think of it like the hulk kind of think of it like the hulk instead of instead of, instead of gamma radiation it's just chemical so essentially when he was in certain situations of great stress and anger his strength would increase tenfold and he would be able to do things nobody else can do so that's essentially his superpower despite the fact that he was like, if you think Two-Face was bad, this was worse because part of his, like, I think, I believe is either 80 or 90% of his body was burnt beyond recognition, but he was still alive somehow. Somehow he still lived. Um, Dark Man 1 centered around him getting his revenge on the people that put his girlfriend in his danger and, of course, sabotaged him, so he was able to get revenge for that. And not to mention the fact dealing with a crime boss by the name of um, Robert G. Durant. Darkman 2 centers around the fact that Robert Jean Durant comes back, even though we thought he was killed in the first movie. He comes back and seeks revenge for that. Darkman 3, which is probably my favorite one out of the bunch, I really like Darkman 3, centers around a crime boss 
who's essentially trying to get his hands on Peyton Westlake's, um, not so much DNA, but his adrenaline and pretty much sell it as a drug, like a super soldier drug. So he ends up, um, grabbing it, putting it in his men, injecting his men with it, and they become super strong. He ends up injecting himself with it at the end. Um, but of course he ends up being killed. Um, the person he's trying to help in this instance is someone who is actually connected to the criminal. And that's how that works. Now, the first dark man starred Liam Neeson as Peyton Westlake, dark man. So that, that was his role. The sequels ended up starring Arnold Vosloo as Peyton Westlake. You probably remember him as playing Imhotep the Mummy in the original Mummy movies. So, either way, I enjoyed his performance in those two. It, it was different to see him in that, but I really enjoyed Dark Man. I enjoyed the Dark Man trilogy. I don't own it. I probably should, but I really enjoyed the Dark Man trilogy. It's definitely one you should check, you should check out. Moving on to another superhero movie, The Shadow... I still love The Shadow. I still love The Shadow a lot. I thought The Shadow was a very ambitious movie. I don't think it came out in the right time. I think if it had come out later, it might have been better. And the the only other movie, the only other superhero movie I can say that about is The Phantom. Like, I think if The Phantom and The Shadow both came out at different times, they probably would have fared better. The Shadow, of course, follows the story of Lamont Cranston, who is a literally a billionaire type. He's literally a billionaire type. He's he's like a Bruce Wayne type of character. He's a billionaire bachelor who actually was a crime lord in I don't want to say Hong Kong, but he was a crime lord in Asia beforehand. He ends up meeting up with a character known as the Toku, and the Toku grants him power to be able to access the darkness in people knows what people's evil desires are. So he comes back to civilization. He becomes, you know, a captain of industry and he becomes his actual self, Lamont Cranston. Now, despite his powers, he has a, he has a wide connection of people. He, he, he really is no different from the Phantom. If you really think about it, like the shadow is like a mixture of the Phantom and Batman. If you really want to think about it that way, the, the shadow really is Batman and the Phantom put together. So, in the movie, he has to deal with a character by the name of Shiwan Khan, who is a descendant of Genghis Khan, who kind of has the same powers he does. But only to a certain extent. Uh, there was a lot of people... There was a lot, this, was, this was actually another star the movie. You had, um, I believe, Penelope Ann Miller. Um, Sir Ian McKellen was in this movie. Tim Curry was in this movie. Um, of course, um, Alec Baldwin played Lamont Cranston in The Shadow. Um, John, I believe John Lone played Shiwan Khan. I believe it was, I think his name is John Lone. I believe it was. This was always one of my favorite movies. I really enjoyed The Shadow a lot. I haven't watched it in a while. I think it was on Netflix for a minute and I watched it there, but I don't think it's up there anymore. So I gotta go find it again. But at the time, I really enjoyed the mythos of this character. Like, I even started reading the comic books after that. Ironically, there is a comic book series that I actually own where Batman and the Shadow team up. So I I think the Shadow is definitely one of my one of the, is a is a very underrated superhero movie. Like I think 
like a good time frame for this movie to come out would have probably been the early 2000s. I mean, don't quote me on that right now, but I feel like the early 2000s would have been a good time for a movie like The Shadow to come out. Same thing with The Phantom. I think the movie, I think The Phantom movie would have been okay if it came out in the early 2000s. Ironically, speaking of The Phantom, The Phantom is a character I never knew about. Like, I've heard, I heard of the character, I heard of The Phantom 2040, that was an animated series. I heard of that, but then the movie came out. So they were trying to revive The Phantom to come, to come back into mainstream media. And I'll give Billy Zane credit for his role as the Phantom. I thought it was really good. But as far as the Shadow is concerned, definitely one of the definitely an underrated superhero movie. Like if you haven't watched it, please give that a look. I really, really enjoyed um, the Shadow. Next, we're going to talk about Double Team. Double Team is a martial arts action movie starring Jean Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Jean Claude Van Damme played. I think he played. He played like a either a cop or a special operative is a movie is a movie i haven't seen in a while and he ends up getting he ends up getting caught in an explosion that does a lot of damage to his body so a secret organization of operatives recruit him so they can like scout the planet for any misdeeds that are happening at the same time he is spending this time trying to rebuild his body back up to fighting form he ends up escaping and he ends up you know leaving the organization even though they're coming after him, and he's trying to find his wife and his son. Now, he has to come up against a villain played by a pre-op, um, Mickey Rourke. A pre-op Mickey Rourke. I believe this was before he had his op, before he had all that plastic surgery done. So it was a pre-op Mickey Rourke. Um, Dennis Rodman plays, he plays like a tech genius. Dennis Rodman plays a tech genius who supplies, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, with a whole bunch of different tech objects that he can use throughout his situation. The final band is culminating in like the Coliseum. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Ricky Mickey were square off, and apparently there's a whole bunch of landmines on the ground. There's even a tiger out of nowhere. You know, Mickey Works character ends up getting exploded for something on a landmine. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was finally able to rescue his son and take off, and Dennis Rodman helps him get away. The movie was pretty slick. I'm not gonna lie. The movie was a it's a pretty slick movie. Um, definitely one of those movies that if you came on TV and you sat and watched it, you'd probably be entertained. You know, this was at a time where Jean Claude Van Damme was just like dropping movie after movie after movie after movie after movie. I think before Double Team, um, Knockoff came out before that. Um, I've never seen all of Knockoff, even though I really wanted to, but one thing I'll say about Van Damme is like a good amount of his movies don't really miss. Some of them don't really play into his martial arts stuff like that, but there's a, he, he put out a good fair amount of movies that don't really miss. Unlike Steven Seagal or like Wesley Snipes, you know, that come out with movies, as Patrice O'Neill would say, that uh, movies that don't come out, that don't come out in the AMC. And you don't know these movies are out until they come on the USA Network. It's, it's really like that. It's really like that. This, of course, was the birth of the mainstream, you know, streaming services movement. You know, now movies can go there. A lot of these movies can go right there. So that's where, you know, I catch a lot of my martial arts movies at, you know, on these streaming services. But, you know, like before that, 
you know, they came out on DVD. If you happen to go into a video store, <laughs> excuse me, you would see the video there. And, or if not, you wouldn't know a movie like this would come out until it come out on the USA Network. That's the way it went, guys. I'm not telling you lies. That's the way it went. That's what it was. But, um, I thought Double Team was actually, Double Team to me is a pretty slick movie. It is a pretty slick movie. It's probably one of Van Damme's slickest movies that he's come out with. You know, um, next we're going to talk about Good Boys. I was able to catch Good Boys finally. Um, this movie was very interesting. Very interesting. Um, basically this movie talks about three boys, three like middle school age boys. We're talking like sixth graders. We're talking sixth graders here that, uh, are pretty much invited to a party where making out is going to be taking place. One of the kids, um, Jacob Tremblay's character, I forget his name. Um, I forget the other two actors, the other two actors, but I'm not going to lie, they did a pretty good job for us. Raunchy as this movie is, I give those three kids props because, again, as raunchy as the movie is, they they still try to maintain being good kids. That's why the title Good Boys comes from. Even though there's a lot of cursing amongst them, there's a lot of suggestive things that that they do in the movie. In fact, um, a sex doll is involved in this movie. Where they trying to practice on it, you know, they come into contact with a lot of sex toys. At the end of the movie, they jump on a sex swing, even though they didn't know it was a sex swing. You know, they're told to look up, you know, look up what sex is, and once they see what sex is, they become disgusted by it. That's probably why I gave the movie a bit of a pass, because of the fact that they were disgusted by looking at things like that. And we would hope that's what we want our kids to do, to be disgusted by those things like that, at least then. Until they learn more and learn better as they get older. And then make a conscious decision on what they should be doing after that. Drugs is involved. Of course, they went into two girls who are trying to, I believe, snatch. I can grab some, 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 some drug. I, I don't know what it was. Again, a lot of these movies I saw early during the quarantine. So, you're, forgive me if I don't remember some of the details about this. But a lot of the things the boys do in this movie are very over the top. But, again... I, I, I thought the movie was funny. I, I thought the movie was hilarious. Now, I know this movie's been brought up recently due to some movies containing minor minors-related stuff. I know this movie's popped up a great deal. But this movie was a little bit different. So, I think that's why I enjoyed it a little bit more. Plus, it was meant to be a comedy, so I thought it was pretty funny about how the th- how things went in this movie. I haven't watched it since, but I I thought it was a pretty I thought it was a pretty good laugh. I found a pretty good laugh in this. Now, to go to the exact opposite of that, we're going to talk about Coffee and Kareem. A movie I did not laugh at at all. But here's why I didn't laugh at it. So the movie centers around a boy by the name of Kareem, I'm forgetting his last name. His mother is played by Taraji B. Henson. And his mother is actually dating a cop played by Ed Helms. The boy Kareem is trying his hardest to be a gangster, trying his hardest to be a badass, but he 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 he, he it is no, no, it, it, no, it's not in him. He can't do it. He can't pull it off. No matter how hard he tries, he just can't. You know, he ends up, of course, trying to meet up with with. A, with some bad dudes, ends up getting caught in some middle of some 
craziness. The whole movie consists of him berating and making fun of Officer Coffee, played by Ed Helms. He's not unaware of the fact that the officer and his mom are dating. Taraji P. Henson's performance, and she's normally a pretty good actress, but her character doesn't help at all. Like, the only real character that I thought was interesting was... I believe, I believe she was a detective. I believe that's what she was. But she was probably the most interesting character. But aside from that, the whole movie just didn't work. And the crazy part is I had a lot of friends that loved this movie. They thought this movie was hilarious. I didn't think it was funny. There might have been maybe, maybe one or two moments where I may have chuckled. But aside from that... I found this movie to not be funny. I would never watch that movie again. Like, and the kid who plays Kareem, I'm forgetting the kid's name, but I'll give him props because he looks like he can have a pretty solid career because I think he was doing, I think he was on something on Nickelodeon before he did this movie. So he obviously has a career ahead of him. This was not the movie for him though. Again, these are just my tastes. I didn't think the movie was funny. I thought it was to me, to me, it was pointless. It was it, it it was just pointless. There was like nothing in it. I was like, you know, something. I would never believe this in for a second. Like, granted, some of the things in Good Boys I wouldn't believe, but kids are kind of crazy like that, though. In this instance, this kid was just being mean, just to be mean. Like, and I don't even think he realized why he was doing it. He was playing his mom. And you would have to think that his mom knew that she was playing him. I think, I think towards the end of the movie, she realized that she knew her son better than he thought she that he thought he did. But as far as that movie is concerned, yeah, it, 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 yeah, I I wasn't impressed by it. I wasn't amused by it. It 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 just wasn't funny to me. It it really wasn't. Moving on to Godzilla King of the Monsters. I was finally able to watch this here at home. I didn't go to the movies to go see this. Um, everything dealing with the monsters, I enjoyed. Everything dealing with the humans, not so much except for uh, Ken Watanabe's character. Except for his character. I enjoyed the implementation of what they tried to do with Mothra. Uh, I believe um, Zhang Zi's character, um, she was a twin. She ended up being a twin. Her twin sister was stationed somewhere else. Um, they were waiting for Mothra to hatch. Um, so I like the fact that they included like, like the whole twin thing is like a lineage thing. It's like, it's a family thing. Like anyone, all these, this family of twins are always connected to Mothra in some, in some form or fashion, you know? So the monsters we have, of course, we had Godzilla, we had Mothra, we had King Ghidorah, and we had Rodan. They didn't do much with Rodan in this movie, which I thought was interesting. Maybe it's because of the fact there was too many monsters in this movie. That's one thing I can definitely say. There were definitely too many monsters in this movie. So, essentially, this movie was supposed to be like an awakening of all the other kaiju on the planet. So, there's supposed to be like a deep mythology on the kaiju and how they're supposed to be like the natural rulers of the planet. And they're pretty much awakening to restore balance to the world. With the exception of King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is an alien. So he's not he's not a native of Earth. King Ghidorah is an alien that tried to conquer. And Godzilla was always there to meet him and stop him. Except this at this point he had Rodan as his minion. He had Rodan as his minion. So 
you know, the three-headed dragon, you know, was doing what he could to try to take over Earth. You know, the battles be the battles between the monsters were really, really great. Um, Godzilla didn't really stand too much of a chance and stuff, so they came up with a plan to use a nuclear bomb to re to basically restart Godzilla. So I thought that was interesting. What they did with um Mothra, I thought was interesting too, because Mothra doesn't survive. Mothra doesn't survive this movie, but Mothra's essence basically goes into Godzilla, which I thought was cool. The whole the whole final scene of this movie I thought was the best part, the final battle, where Godzilla rises back up and becomes nuclear Godzilla. And he absorbed all the nuclear radiation in the area. And now he's pretty much a fire dragon just walking. So he's walking. And every time he gives off his atomic energy, you can see the Mothra wings spreading, like going out. So I thought that was an interesting little addition to it. And his and him burning up, you know, Ghidorah to nothingness, I thought was good. At the end... All the um, other kaiju that have awakened, or all the other titans that have awakened, you know, they come and swear their allegiance to Godzilla, or consider Godzilla the king of all monsters. We, of course, get clues into the next installment, which is Godzilla versus Kong, which I'm definitely waiting to see. I am definitely looking forward to that. I thought this was better than Godzilla 2014. I kind of like the story more for Godzilla 2014, but I love the action in Godzilla King of the Monsters. I know a lot of people didn't really have a lot of positive things to say about it, but I thought it was pretty decent. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed guys like King of the Monsters. The Predator. Oh boy. The Predator. That was that was an interesting one. Again, that's another one of those things where I could talk to it was like I could see what they were trying to do, but it just it didn't stick. It just didn't stick together. So essentially. A rogue predator comes to Earth to try to give us something that can help fight the other predators. It's crazy to me how these movies still don't use the actual names of the predators. Uh, I think I think Mortal Kombat X actually used the actual name of the predator in some cases, like or at least describing as the Yautja um, species and stuff like that. So one predator is hunted down. And then they have to come up the like we have a soldier who is essentially who encounters one of these guys and he has to come back to try to save his son. Again, his son played by Jacob Tremblay, who is a kid that's on the spectrum, which I thought was interesting. That was interesting. Like the kind of the, the kind of premise, at least part of the premise that they have for this movie, I thought was interesting. So essentially, the predators they usually try to take the best parts of whoever they kill and implement it into themselves. The predator, or at least the super predator, wants his son. He wants Jacob Tremblay because he's on a spectrum. And not only that, but Jacob Tremblay, Tremblay's character was able to decipher um, a piece of the alien, a piece of the predator technology and open it up. So I thought that was, you know, I, I like the idea that you know, they cause like cause a lot of people don't seem to a lot of people don't know even today that like you know, a lot of people that are on the spectrum are perhaps a lot more smarter than us regular folk. There's a lot of things that they can tap into that we cannot because their minds are open to it. So the fact that he considered the 
he considered the child on the spectrum to be like the ultimate prize. I thought was very interesting. Uh, a lot of the, just, just, just some of the things just didn't stick. Some of the things didn't stick. Some of the action scenes were okay, but they just didn't stick. You know, Keegan-Michael Key was in here, Thomas Jane, um, a couple of their um, actors were here. They were part of like a tr prison transport that just got knocked over. So they all had to team up and try to stop the predators for attacking. It was, again, I could see what they were trying to do. But some of the things just didn't stick. At the end, we find out what it was that they were trying to give us humans. And it was essentially predator armor outfit for humans. So the main character, you know, says, that, like, I just found my new toy. So he essentially is going to don the armor and use it to fight predators. Like, it's interesting because Predators, the movie that came out before this, I actually quite enjoyed I know a lot of people have their reservations about it, but I actually pretty pretty much enjoyed Predators. I I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed the fact that you know they now we're not on Earth anymore. You know, yes, we're in the jungle, but we're in the jungle on an alien planet. There's a lot of other characters that are being hunted, but then it, but then the Predators is a double play on words because of course they're the Predators that are existing there, but then you have the people hunted because all the people being hunted are not good people. You know, they were either military, they were either Yakuza, they were drug lords, they were mercenaries, things like that. They were not good people. Interestingly enough, you know, Topher Grace's character, who was a doctor, was essentially a murdering doctor. So I thought that was his own soul. Everyone was like, why is his character here? He's just a doctor. But it turns out he's a little crazy. So I thought Predators was actually pretty decent. I think if they had tried, I think if they had followed that up a little bit better, I think that if they had kind of stuck with that continuity, I think this movie would have been okay. It was probably going to be dead on arrival. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Like Alien and Predator, those are two branches that are in desperate need of serious reevaluations. Basically, they need some serious reevaluations as to where the future of the franchise is going to go. But. That's not to say that some of the movies that they turned out weren't that bad. Again, Predator 1, classic. Predator 2 is actually really good. They did something different. Predators, again, I enjoyed Predators. Like, if it came on TV, I'd probably sit and watch it. Predators, I thought, was pretty good. Alien vs. Predator, not so much really like the source material, but I still enjoyed it a lot. AVP Requiem, hot garbage. AVP Requiem is total trash. I would never watch that again. The Predator, again, didn't stick the landing. I think if they had followed the continuity from the previous, from Predators, if they had stuck with that somehow, I think that would have been worked out a little. I think that would have been a different story. Ironically enough, the Predators comic book did, the Predators did have a follow-up comic book. Predators had a follow-up comic book where um, the character voice was given alien, he was given predator armor to keep fighting because they were still stranded on the planet. So if, I think if they had somehow connected that somehow to the predator, maybe they would have stuck the landing a little bit better. I don't know. That's just me. That's, that's just what I'm saying. Next, we have Parasite. <laughs> oh, 
this was a wild movie. So I find like after all the Oscar wins and all this stuff, I finally caught, caught Predator. I finally caught Parasite. I literally sat up one night and watched it in the middle of the night. I literally sat up and watched the whole thing. I thought it was interesting, and essentially, it's about a poor Asian family trying to figure out a way to make money. So they come up with an elaborate con scheme to try to work their way into a wealthy family's home. Um, the son works his way up to being the uh, tutor for the family's daughter. They ended up falling in love, even despite their age difference. The daughter works their way up to be a art tutor for the family's son, who is young. The mother works her way up to being a housekeeper, and the father works his way up to being a chauffeur. It is a brilliant con if I've ever seen one. It is a brilliant scheme. So they're making money. They're looking at this family and they're getting an inside scoop into what rich people's family, which families are like. And a lot of it's not what is always cracked up to me. It, it was an interesting movie. And I know a lot of people didn't like it. I know I have a lot of friends that didn't like it, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, the commentary that it was giving. The ending to this movie was wild. The twist in the movie was exceptionally crazy. I can tell you right now, Parasite deserved to win those Oscars. Parasite deserved to win those awards because this movie was very, very interesting. Like, I had never seen a movie like this before. And if there's a movie like this that, that exists that's like this, please send it my way. I really, I really think this was, this was very, very interesting. Like, just the twist and turns with this. And like, certain things that happened there where you had to like kind of have to hold your breath to see how things were going to turn out. It was wild. It was, it was just really, really wild. So I right, got two more on this list. We got two more on the list. So we got, I don't know if I actually reviewed this, but if I did, I'm going to review it here. So these are two of the animated things that I, that I actually happened to buy. So we got Mortal Kombat, Scorp Mortal Kombat Legend Scorpion's Revenge. Which is essentially uh, a reimagining of the Mortal Kombat 1 tournament. The movie kind of centers more around Scorpion, his death, his return from the Nether Realm, and his quest for vengeance against Sub Zero. It, of course, follows, you know, Liu Kang, Sonya Blade, and Johnny Cage as they travel to Shanksons Island to compete in the fourth Mortal Kombat tournament. So, again, it is a vast retelling of Mortal Kombat 1. Basically, barring more so from Mortal Kombat X, especially like if you watch the movie, the like the um the um outfits, the costumes, they are very they are very much inspired by Mortal Kombat X. I think this movie would have done way better if it really strictly focused just on Scorpion. If it just focused mainly on him, it would have done better. Now, and here's what I would have done. With Mortal Kombat, Legend Scorpion's Revenge. I wouldn't have started from his as an adult. I would have started from his childhood all the way to him becoming in, wrapped up in the Shira Ryu, up until the, his death, the death of his wife, the death of his son, him making a deal with Quan Chi in the Netherrealm, coming back as a Spectre, and him just seeking vengeance against the Lin Kuei and Sub Zero. 
Like there's there are a lot of characters in this, but they didn't do a lot of a lot of them with him. Like we got a lot we got a lot with Johnny Cage. We got only only and I think it's only because Joel McHale did the voice of Johnny Cage. So we got a lot with Johnny Cage, a little bit with Sonya Blade. Um, we didn't get anything with Sub Zero. It's like Sub Zero. Sub Zero was literally an afterthought. He was just there to kill Scorpion and get killed by Scorpion. That was it. You know, they changed a lot of the narratives up. Like they had Jax lose his arms to a fight with Goro, which we all know did not happen in the main continuity. Um, the 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 tournament ends with Shang Tsung escaping to the Nether Realm, which is we know that's not how it ends. You know. Liu Kang struggles against Goro, which we know doesn't happen in the main continuity. Scorpion kills Quan Chi at the end, which we know doesn't happen in the main continuity. So, again, this is another one of those things where I see what they were trying to do. You know, the, the one thing that definitely worked in this movie was the blood and gore. This was very much a Mortal Kombat movie. They incorporated the X-ray moves, all that stuff. This was definitely very much a Mortal Kombat movie. The blood, gore, all that stuff, all of it was in there. The storyline just got muddled up. Again, if I, I feel, I feel like if they had just stuck with just sticking, focusing mainly on Scorpion, just focusing mainly on Scorpion, his life, his death, and then his respawning as a Spectre. They could have just did that. Honestly speaking, if they really wanted to focus on the tournaments, they could have did some time jumps. They could have done that. You know, they could have jumped to all the tournaments and stuff. But, mm, I mean, it's not necessarily a, it's not a bad film. It's not a bad animated film. I'll say that. It's not a bad one. But, I feel like they didn't really stick to what I think they were trying to do, which was to tell a Scorpion story. And there's a lot about Scorpion that we kind of know, but that we don't know, because there's many different tellings and stuff. The games don't even really go into it that much. So this would have been a good time. If it's Mortal Kombat Legends, then tell the legend of Scorpion. Tell the legend of Hanzo Masashi. They could have just did that. But, you know, it is what it is. Then, of course, we have Justice League Apocalypse War. Justice League Apocalypse War and good gravy is this probably one of the best DC animated movies I've seen. Granted, I'm still a big fan of Batman Under the Red Hood. Um, Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. I'm still fans of those, but Justice League, The Apocalypse War. This was this was literally like the end game for the w, for the DC animated movie universe. This was like their end game. So, essentially, this is, of course, a loose adaptation of the comic book story. So, basically, the Justice League decide to finally take the fight to Apocalypse. They finally decide to take the fight to Darkseid. Unfortunately, they did not know that Cyborg, who was created from the Mother Box, is essentially Darkseid's eyes and ears into the Justice League. So, by the time they get to the Dark, they get to Apocalypse, he's already ready for them. And what he does to them is insane. He infects Superman with kryptonite to the point where Superman is essentially powerless. Like he 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 has kryptonite poisoning. Like he can't do anything about it. Like ironically, he's not dead, 
but it's to a point where it's like he can't, he's not Superman anymore. <laughs> Wonder Woman gets turned into a cybernetic fury. Batman is put on the Mobius chair. He basically serves as the right hand of Dark Side. Cyborg was turned into a basically a boom tube machine. He's he's strapped to a wall. Many of the DC characters are killed. <laughs> like a lot of the DC characters are killed. Um Martian Manhunter, uh Starfire, um Mira, they all get turned into cybernetic furies. The the Teen Titans were all, all but destroyed. Um, the only ones alive are Robin, who went Dam, um Damian Wayne Robin, who went back to Nightingale Parbat and became head of the League of Shadows. Raven, she's still alive, but Tri Trigon is trying his hardest to finally get out. Constantine is still living. So, and much of the movie is really seen from Constantine's perspective. So he he's really the he's really the main character of the you know, um, Apocalypse War. The movie was the movie was amazing. The, the movie was really amazing. Like, and they went all in. They went all in with this. Like, if if you thought Mortal Kombat Legends was grotesque, Apocalypse War was just as grotesque. Like, they really went in with the blood and violence and dismemberment. They went all in with that. Um, it essentially ends with Constantine. They they they, they survive. The, the final battle is actually probably one of the most interesting things because Constantine is really to offer himself up as a vessel for Trigon, but Trigon finds a new vessel in Superman. Luckily, he burns the kryptonite out of Superman's system. He becomes a Kryptonian demon, essentially, and he's fighting Darkseid all out. He was He's able to expel... Somehow, Trigon was able to be expelled from Superman's body, and Superman became Superman again. But then... It just ends up being a battle between Trigon and Darkseid, which is a battle I never knew I needed, but I'm glad I got it. And they were able to be boom-tubed away thanks to Cyborg, who had to stay behind. So the remaining Justice League members, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Mira, Marshman Hunter, Raven, Robin, Nightwing, who was killed and resurrected in Lazarus period, but wasn't able to break his psychotic mindset um starfire constantine the flash who we found out was on the cosmic treadmill and being used by dark side so they're all on earth but earth is about to be destroyed because it's unstable so the movie ends with constantine convincing flash you gotta do it again man you gotta do another flashpoint otherwise it's over flash is like i don't think i can do that again you know, things might be bad, but like constantly like, yeah, you're right. But could it be worse than this? I don't think so. So then the movie ends with the flash running, giving us another flashpoint event. So that is of course gonna be that's of course the end of the previous DC animated universe set or phase. And now we're moving into a new one. So and I believe the start of the new one is Superman Red Sun. Oh, that's not it. Superman Red Sun was not a Superman Red Sun actually came up before that. Now Superman Red Sun is also is an Elseworlds Superman story. It tells the story of what if Superman landed in Soviet Russia as opposed to landing in Kansas. So he is eventually raised under Stalin and becomes the um 
example of how society should be in Russia, and he becomes the premier of Russia after killing Stalin. I thought there was, I thought there was actually well done too. And of course, of course, if you know the story, Lex Luthor becomes the president of the United States. He's married to Lois Lane, and he's trying to figure out a way to stop the Superman. He essentially creates an American version of Superman who ends up being Bizarro. So Superman is um, learning that there's so many different ways he can help the people. And of course, Brainiac enters the fray. So he has to end up trying to destroy Brainiac. At the end, he ends up, you know, just becoming a mild-mannered person. I, th I thought it was well done. I've never read the comic book, but this was a pretty good, you know, just adaptation of that comic book. So I really enjoy Superman Red Sun. It's definitely a good watch. But I was going to say that I think, believe the start of the new DC animated universe phase starts with Superman Man of Tomorrow. That was the most recent Superman movie to come out, or the, the most recent DC animated movie to come out. Superman, Man of Tomorrow, is like a retelling of the Superman mythos, where, you know, it's almost kind of similar to Man of Steel, but not quite. He's trying to find his place in the world, as far as being a hero is concerned. Him being Clark Kent isn't a problem for him. Him trying to be a hero is where he's trying to fit in. You know, he his first encounter with another extraterrestrial is Lobo which was very well done. Um, and I believe the person who voiced on Lobo was Ryan Hurst. If he played Lobo in a live-action version, I wouldn't be upset. As a matter of fact, I think that's who they should go with. They should just get him to play the live-action version of Lobo. He looks like him. He can put it off. So I would definitely pay to see that. Uh, we encountered the Martian Manhunter. Um, the threat they got to deal with is the threat of Parasite. Parasite is the thought they got to deal with, and I thought that was interesting. I liked the animation style. It kind of, it, it was it was almost cel-shaded for the animation style. I think that's where they were kind of going with, and they didn't look, it looked a lot more cleaner, and a lot more brighter than the previous DC animated movies. So I'm wondering if this is going to be the art style going forward, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it, and they really, they really tried to pull at the humanity of Superman. That's what they try to do. Like, what made Superman Superman in the first place was his humanity. So they really try to play into that a great deal, and I enjoyed that a lot. So I'm going to be interested in what the next DC anime movie is going to be, and I'm very much looking forward to it. We'll probably won't be getting one until next year. So, but so far, those are all the movies on my list that I was able to watch since the, since the quarantine that I've been able to do a review on. Everything else I was able to do a review on beforehand, I believe. So those are on my YouTube channel. You can find those. But I wanted to do this super review so I can finally knock this off my list and say that I finally did reviews for these movies and things like that. Um, right now, I am currently watching The Boys Season 2. Um, I believe there's three episodes left, so I'll do a review on season two of The Boys. Um, nothing CW related has started yet, even though it was just announced that Supergirl will be ending after season six. And I don't think I'm really watching anything else. There's not really. I mean, Lovecraft Country. I'm watching that Lovecraft Country. And Power Book 2 Ghosts. I'm watching that as well. So, you know, once those are done, I'll give my reviews on those, of course. You know, The Boys season two probably sooner because, like I said, I believe there's like three episodes left. So, 
you know, definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, I'll be back again next week with another show. Um, like I said, if I don't schedule this video, this um, interview for next week, then next week's video will be on fan fictions and which ones are my favorite. And we're just going to go from there. All right. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, again, like I said in the beginning, please be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Make sure you are following me not only on YouTube, but on Anchor as far as like video and podcast is concerned. You can definitely follow, you on, follow me on my social media outlets. You know, I'm not that hard to find. And just like that, you can easily get in contact with me. If, you, if there's something you want me to talk about on the show, feel free to send me a suggestion. I'm welcome to suggestions. And I'll definitely squeeze it into my schedule of things to talk about on the show. All right? I'm out. Peace.